0: Welcome to the Sabod Radio Show, shining a light on today's innovative leaders in business, technology, and government. Today's show is brought to you by Sabod Business Solutions, where our passion is in the
1: process. And now, here are today's hosts. Good morning, and welcome back to Savad Radio. I am your host, Todd Schnick, joined, as always, by my friend and colleague, Charles Davis, the CFO of Savad Business Solutions. Good morning, Charles. How are you? I'm
2: doing well today, Todd. Thanks. I'm excited about today's show. I'm more of a global view, which I'm always interested in.
1: Well, you know, the global theme on this show is getting more and more prominent and and we've had an increasing amount of guests on the show that are are starting to do some global business so it's a very pertinent conversation especially with this show but i think also something that every organization listening ought to be paying more attention to what's happening globally and the opportunities that are there. We do have a return guests or a pair of return guests to the show today. So say hello to Rita and Russ King. Rita is the CEO and senior consultant. Welcome back, Rita. Uh,
3: thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm glad to be here.
1: Well, it's good to have you back. And you had to bring along the other guy, I guess. His name is Russ King. He's the president of Method Sense, Inc. Welcome back, Russ.
0: Thank you. It's a great pleasure.
1: Well, as I said, we've had these, this, these two on the show before, and I will link up to that that conversation in the show notes uh, we uh the the one thing we did not talk about in our last conversation with these two was the global nature of of their business and so that's the purpose of us gathering today is to talk about that uh, before we launch into that though russ take a quick sec and just remind the audience about method sense and what you're all about
0: thank you very much i appreciate that method sense is a life science consultancy Where we assist uh, medical device companies, biotechnology companies, and pharmaceutical companies with their regulatory affairs and quality assurance needs. Uh, We assist uh, companies with their FDA submissions, with making sure that they comply with FDA compliance for commercializing their products in the United States. And uh, with respect to, in particular, our show today. We assist companies who seek to enter European markets with uh, meeting the requirements of the European health authorities both in the form of meeting their quality assurance requirements and meeting their product requirements so that they can be successful in commercializing their products in Europe. We're also a company that provides a software solution that is specifically designed for life science companies called infostring Smart Enterprise Suite. So we have a pretty diverse and wide-ranging full-service menu of things that we perform as uh, services and products for our company clients.
1: All right, so Method Sense is an organization. It's a life science company that helps organizations battle through the approval and the regulatory process both. In the U.S. and in Europe, correct?
0: That's correct.
1: All right. So an organization needs to cover two birds with one stone. They uh, they can do that with you. So let's just get into it. So talk about what the major difference between Europe and the U.S. is, say on medical device approvals.
3: And um, so what? Um, the best I think the best thing to start with is to talk a little bit about some of um, a, a little bit of terminology. Um, a lot of times when uh, we refer to uh, Europe and to take in a medical device to Europe, we uh, talk about something called CE marking. While um, in the US, when we talk about um, a, a product being approved um, in the US, we usually refer to the FDA and we say, um, "Have we gone through uh, the FDA to receive uh, the uh, the appropriate um, the appropriate approval?" Let's say from uh, the FDA uh, authority. So. And uh, in uh, the other the other terminology difference is when we refer to um, a regulation um, in the U.S. again we talk about Title 21 and we say uh, 21 CFR Part 820 for example is um, what we talk about in um, uh, in uh, the U.S. While in uh, Europe uh, there is uh, uh, the law is called the directives. So for medical devices uh, when uh, we say we're going to be compliant with the European law, we usually say uh, we need to identify the appropriate directive. And the most common one is the medical device directive. Um, And there are other directives as well, depending on the kind of of product that you have, like uh, in vitro diagnostic medical directive or active implantable medical directive, um, and so on. Um, And then in... um, uh, both in the U.S. and in Europe, there is a number of additional standards that a company may use to be able to comply with the uh, um, appropriate regulations. So both, um, uh, again, U.S. has a certain recognized standards by the FDA, as well as um, in Europe, there are certain recognized standards. Example of them um, is one that has gotten a lot of, um, um, I guess it has been on the spotlight lately, and it's the ISO for T971, which is a standard for assessing risk, um, and the other one is a safety-related safety, um, safety related standard for um, devices that include hardware, and that's the IC6601-1. So, so that kind of gives us um, a little bit of a beginning as to, uh, from a terminology standpoint, and now for um, how um, a company uh, will be talking about when they're saying, I'm preparing for Europe versus I am going to the US.
2: Rita, I wanna, I wanna ask a quick question on that. Are you seeing – talking about approval process in, in the two different um, blocks, U.S. And, and Europe, an appetite for, for certain products in one or the other, especially how it relates to the risk. Um, you talk about the risk differential in Europe and, and on the terminology side, but are you seeing in, in what you're doing that the appetite for approval, a quicker approval, let's say, in U.S. versus versus Europe and, and kind of – and what the risk profile is as far as getting certain products through in one of those two blocks and give me an opinion on that.
0: Sure, yeah very quickly I think that more and more companies are finding attractive the process in Europe. Um, I think that is uh, primarily because the initial approval process tends to be a little bit more streamlined from uh, the regulatory perspective in Europe it tends to be uh, a little bit faster and a little bit less expensive in Europe generally and by and large so the balance that we see medical device companies uh, assessing is the size of the US market which is the largest medical device market in the world and the relatively difficult path for approval to reach that market from an FDA regulatory and quality perspective compared to the market in Europe which is nevertheless healthy and the health of those markets of course depends upon country to country germany is a different market from greece which is a different market from norway for example but by and large uh, the attractiveness of the streamlined process a little bit more streamlined a little bit more easy a little bit more straightforward in some cases and so they are taking it more seriously whether or not they should for example launch a product in europe first Versus the United States, or assess their current marketing strategy and turn their eyes toward Europe for uh, their uh, their their commercialization goals.
3: I think if I could add to that, it's um a little bit of um it's a thinking process that it's um they it, there is a belief that maybe going to uh, Europe is going to be a little bit friendlier getting through the regulatory process versus um the U.S., but it's really a perception. Um, then the key difference where, um, is that um, in uh, Europe, uh, uh, if you have um, a class uh, 2 device, for example, uh, 2A or 2B, that it's going to require what's called a notified body, which is similar to what we have here in the U.S. with the FDA, with the number of exceptions that I will talk about. But, um, but in um, Europe, you actually shop for your notified body. You, there are multiple companies that um, can actually uh, offer services to review your technical documentation in a similar way that the FDA reviews them here in the US. But because the customer has the ability to make a choice, it, um, it appears that it may be a little bit easier while here in the U S you have one authority, it's the FDA. And I, I should say, uh, in Europe, it's one authority too, but it's, it's, um, it's actually managed by, um, uh, by multiple, uh, notified bodies. And, um, but in the U.S., again, you have to send it to um, the FDA, and um, and that um, uh, has uh, a certain idea of um, maybe this uh, a little bit more difficult or not as friendly as uh, selecting your own notified body to review your file.
1: You know, it just you guys would know better than I, but it just seems from my observations of news and Hollywood and just all the different cultural uh, touch points. It seems Europe is far more advanced technologically than we are in the U.S., and maybe that's because of the simplified approval process. Uh, are you seeing that translate into the life sciences as well?
3: You know, it's interesting that you're saying uh, that I don't know if it is really more advanced. It's, it, it is or um, their products, the whole design of the product tends to be um, very different. It's uh, it's, it's like they, they appear to be a little bit slicker in look, uh, some of the devices versus the way that um, our uh, some of our medical devices in the U.S. look. Which, of course, this is um, changing. It's like clothes, uh, purchasing clothes. I don't know in Italy or in uh, uh, Paris versus um, you know purchasing I don't know clothes in uh, Raleigh, North Carolina. So um, so that's uh, I guess one type of comparison. Um, uh, Russ, do you have any uh, other thoughts
0: about it? Uh, well w- one thing that uh, I think is uh, interesting about the comparison between the US market and uh, the European market and that is all, some of the, the things that they have in common. The, both the FDA and the European notified bodies of the yeah. health uh, ministries, they're interested in basically two things expressed in two different ways. Uh, they're both interested in making sure that your company is operating properly. That is, operating in a way that produces a quality product that is both effective um, and safe. Uh, however, they do it in a slightly different way. The classic way to do it in the United States is to submit to the FDA, uh, most typically in a 510K, which is a, an approval process that the FDA has for the product when you submit that in the in the process you're bundling information about both the company and the product in europe there's a slightly different process where it's separated with an iso certification about the company that's a certification called 1345 and what's called a ce mark for the product that is the assessment that the product is safe and effective, it does what you say it's going to do, and it complies with the uh, the regulations. The European authorities and U.S. authorities have the same goal, but the process is uh, is slightly different, and that makes a difference too, I think, in the way in which companies approach the markets and 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 whether one's more preferable than the other.
3: However, I got I got to actually um, add that some of things um, are changing in Europe. Europe is getting a lot more conservative lately. Um, There's been a lot of communications in different um, uh, standard um, uh, communications and standard um, uh, committees where um, Europe is trying to, is is seeing challenges with some of the flexibility that their system has and is trying to implement um, uh, some, um, I would say, a little bit stricter rules than what we've seen so far. Uh, They're not out yet. They're still in discussion, but this is just kind of um, uh, what they've been, they've seen, they have concerns, I should say, about products that they hit the market and that uh, they were not as safe as they were expecting. So we'll see what the future is going to bring, and we'll see how the European market is going to shape as well.
2: And, and, Rena, I want to go a little bit farther on that. My question to you, and since you all are closer to that market, is what you're talking about a remnant of the rise of maybe more nationalism in Europe, whereas each country is having more and more voice and bigger opinion. In itself as far as per country basis for instead of a block basis because Uh I mean you read more and more about that where Germany's taking the lead on a lot of things what you're talking about directly related to that
3: actually it's interesting that you're mentioning this because um, the one struggle that Europe had over the years was that as you said it consists of multiple countries And that meant um, every country, of course, had their own um, thought process about what safety really is. So that meant they had almost um, their own uh, strict rules as to what they will allow and they will not allow in terms of uh, a medical product that will enter the country. And then we went through many years of um, harmonization efforts, as they're called, we are um, with the European Union as well as um, with other countries that they have joined different committees, are trying to accept one common set of standards or one common set of rules that they can all operate under so that um, it, it is a little bit easier. Because honestly, 10 years ago or about 15 years ago, if you had a medical device that you needed to send it to uh, Europe, you had to think about the specific country you're going to send it to, and you knew that you were dealing with potentially different rules, that, in some cases conflicted with each other. So we are in a different era in a way. We have a lot more harmonization uh, standards in place, and even Europe and U.S., um, they have spent a lot of effort coordinated and um, harmonizing um, their regulations. So I would say that... It's becoming more harmonized. It's becoming more, um, we are seeing more common ground. But from time to time, like what's happening right now, events are occurring, safety related events, like, like, um, uh, for example, there were um, the, some, the implantable, I think, um, uh, breast devices that they were happening in Europe created a lot of um, uh, challenges for the Europeans because they realized that the product that they thought it was safe is no longer as safe. So, this kind of events um, are actually making regulators think again, and and you will see certain countries becoming um, stricter before they actually relax again or they found common ground with the rest of the
1: countries. Let me just be sure that I understand. When you seek approval in Europe, are you doing it through the European Union or do you have to go through country by country?
3: You actually go through something called a notified body if you need. Um, uh, to be fair, there are certain devices that, um, just like in the U.S., we have Class 1 devices, there are certain devices in, um, in Europe that they actually do not need anything more other than a self-declaration that they are safe and then they can enter the different countries. But if you are a Class 2A or 2B device or above, then you need to go through an entity similar to the FDA, but it's called a notified body that you select. There are multiple ones to select from. You select one and they review all your technical documentation, the technical file that you will prepare that shows compliance with the appropriate directives. And they are the ones that they give you uh, the I don't want to say the word that, um, the, the simple word that comes to mind is like the okay, let's say, but it actually they're the ones that they uh, confirm that um, you meet the regulations and then you can create the declaration of conformity or the C mark as we are uh, calling it um, and you can put it on the device and enter the country. So uh, there, they you don't have to worry about um, uh, each country, but again, that doesn't mean that you should not at least for the European Union, they have a common set of rules. Other countries have accepted what's called the C-mark process, and therefore, again, um, as long as you get a C-mark, you are okay to enter those countries. And then there are some countries that they have a few deviations that you need to be aware.
0: And those deviations will particularly pertain to higher-risk devices. And the other thing to consider when you're commercializing in Europe is that The reimbursement for the sale of your products will vary from country to country. So some markets like Germany versus Spain may be more or less attractive because of the reimbursement requirements that are specific to regions.
2: Now that brings up a real interesting question. So if I'm building a business model and taking a medical device over to Europe – I've got to build in different reimbursements for different countries, and that gets very complicated. I'm sure that's where you come into picture quite a, quite a few times. Talk to me a little bit more about that and how, com- how companies really kind of map through that.
0: Well, the way they map through it was with partnerships in, uh, in Europe who understand those local markets, who have experience with selling products directly to the uh, point of care, whether that be hospitals or physicians or wherever that point of care takes place but that's the, the kind of spade work that has to be done now y- you may have heard all along that there is a, a perception or there is an understanding at least at first blush that the process in Europe is a little bit more streamlined it's a little bit easier from a regulatory and quality perspective that doesn't necessarily mean that it is altogether in the long run less expensive or less difficult it just means for the approval process there is. Either a more streamlined or the perception of something that's easier to accomplish. The coal commercialization process has to account for these differences and reimbursement from country to country. There has to be typically assistance with uh, local expertise about a particular product, its ability to penetrate the market, its ability to be uh, distributed effectively, having the right distributors and so forth. We certainly have uh, connections with uh, organizations that can assist in this regard um, and work with them on a regular basis on behalf of our clients so that they can get that relevant information to move forward in the commercialization process. But all this has to be part of the calculus uh, in the long run uh, for successful uh, marketing of a product in Europe.
3: Actually, what I can do to it, I mean, I I imagine um, that you, that what would be helpful to our listeners is that if you if there was a a, a medical device that uh, is actually starting out, or there is an idea and a company is trying to figure out what, where should I go? Should I start in the U.S. or should I start in Europe? Or I believe that my market is so large, I can go to so many different places. What do I do first? Um, the advice that I, I would um, uh, provide and this is what um, we actually um, help our customers with is first of all um, the, the first the, the place to begin is um, uh, every no matter where you go you need to make sure that you have processes in place um, that um, uh, usually usually are called the quality management system. So when we have customers here, with the, we ask the questions as to where do you see yourself um, a few years from now to, you know, well, where do you see yourself tomorrow type of thing. But um, but when we hear that there is aspirations for um, a global uh, distribution, then the first thing we do is um, we help them prepare their quality management system uh, from a global perspective, meaning like create processes and procedures that will satisfy not only the U.S. regulations, which is um, 21 CFR Part 820, but also ISO 13485, which will be the equivalent in Europe. So, And then we know that down the road, if we have done a good job putting their quality management system together, then we know that the next step will be, um, if they want to go to Europe, a certification. Um, other things is organization of their documents and capturing information. Um, if, um, if they go to Europe, they're going to need um, a European representative um, that is going to be managing their documents. As you guys know, uh, one of the things that we do here at MethodSense is we have built um, a solution, an application, that is a software development solution that um, actually manages documents. Um in a regulated way. It's fully compliant with the regulations. it's fully validated. So one of the things that we help the company do is organize all these technical documents, um including their quality management system in an application that's uh, fully applicable with both US and European um regulation. That means now, that the company is already um, organized to be able to share in a secure uh, way information both in the U.S. and Europe with regulations, uh, regulators as well as um, other representatives that they will need in other countries. So these are kind of a few little steps that they actually add up and they actually um, uh, make the whole um, preparation for a uh, European market or for multiple, for, uh, for global markets a lot easier Um, and then everything starts falling into place then the questions about you know what are we going to do about the market distribution or reimbursements or other things they all start falling into place as we are um, uh, preparing um, uh, to address the the number one thing which is um the regulation for the for the product to be able to enter that particular country
1: well assuming that it's a common scenario and it might not be and correct me if i'm wrong but i would assume that an organization would ultimately want to seek approvals say in both the u.s and europe is there an advantage to getting approved in one and does that grease the skids for for the other market or is that not necessarily the case
0: it, two uh, answers to that question, and both, uh, yes, it helps uh, grease the skids. Uh, one, if you lay the foundational work uh, that satisfies both the regulatory and quality environments, um, then your next steps are always going to be a lot easier, a lot more efficient, a lot more streamlined, as Rita described. The uh, other consideration is that if you find going to one market rather than another to be initially less expensive, and a faster time to revenue generation, then that can help leverage your company to be more successful in the alternative market. So our clients are thinking typically along these lines, where am I going to be able to get to market and specifically to revenue faster uh, than, uh, than I can take it to other markets and be uh, a sounder company that's more successful in that alternative market.
3: So what we do is actually we we lay down, we create that um, roadmap, if you want to call it, where we actually prepare the company for global markets. And then we get together to look at which one is going to be the easiest path. Sometimes the easiest path is because you can sell easier in certain markets. Other times the easiest path is because um, uh, then the regulatory uh, approval process may be a little bit faster. Faster could be because the regulators, because the, the file is... Um, uh, uh, because let's say they already have ISO 1345 approval and uh, now all we have to do is to create the necessary um, technical documents and the notified body is already selected. We have a good relationship and um, the, um, the review process can be um, expedited um, versus the, the path that we will have to take with the FDA that we have to um, uh, again, we, the, the, we could anticipate delays or questions or different things depending on how innovative the technology is. But we lay everything down, we look at them together and, and we make uh, the appropriate decisions uh, based on the product, the market, and what the company's goals are, including of course, um, their financial um, their financial situation. Our goal is to make it as simple as possible um, to enter as, many, um, uh, as as many markets as they can.
2: Russ and Rita, uh, you know, obviously this show, I I always look out for entrepreneurs and and what you're doing, I'm really fascinated by. And one thing I think everybody, every business, no matter what the size is, should be looking at a global platform, a global playing ground. You guys have done it. And and I just was that early on in in your um, in your game plan. And, you know, what benefits are you seeing? Just so our listeners know that Every company has the ability to go global in today's world, and I just kind of want your opinion on that.
0: Well, uh, we had the benefit uh, in this company to be thinking globally, principally because Rita, in her uh, work history, came from underwriters' laboratories. And uh, in her role there was establishing global relationships with notified bodies, in particular in Europe and uh, for example with TUV. So and and um so the company began with a uh, very much a global attitude around standards and regulations. As we have seen economies change and shift uh, with uh, manufacturing pricing falling in some areas and rising in others, the demand for thinking globally has been a necessity of course. And uh, so uh, our evolution has just followed that demand had responded we hope agilely to the requirements to be thinking globally. Every company is going to have to be thinking along these lines. There are hurdles and challenges and uh, requirements to meet different global markets, whether you're going to Canada, where you're going to the EU, whether you're going to the Pacific Rim, whether you believe that your principal market is going to be in the US and Mexico. All of these create a configuration of Issues, concerns, and questions, and they help dictate the next step and the step from three years from now. And so, uh, between um, uh, the communications that happen globally, between uh, the competition that happens globally, uh, it is an absolute necessity that every company that is thinking about uh, entering the medical device market in particular, they automatically think about how they're going to leverage. Their network, their product, their expertise, their skills, in order to reach as broad an audience as possible, in order to be competitive and to be successful as a business. Now,
3: as methods and so the actual the platform that we did provide that we do provide for them is actually um, our product. It's um, the InfoStrength Smart Enterprise Suite. This is um, an application that it is um, that it resembles a portal. It's a web-based application. Fully compliant with um, uh, US and global regulations. And what it does is it enables even the tiniest company uh, to be able to have a global presence if they want, because they're able to communicate their most critical information and their intellectual property in a secure way, fully organized and again compliant with regulations. And they can bring inside that solution multiple parties that they can be they are partners from all over the world so yeah so we we do think globally We cre- we spent um, a lot of um, uh, time and effort uh, to actually to create that platform that um, uh, ad- in addition to our expertise can um, enable companies uh, to reach global markets a lot easier, and it cannot be just their words, but be able to prove it with um, a structure that we help them uh, create in a in a very and affordable, but secure way. And
0: it's a it's a very natural expression of of what we mean by global. Not only do we need to be thinking globally in terms of our actions, but we need to be global in terms of our infrastructure, so that we can act appropriately in global circumstances uh and, and that's a, a very a very uh, uh in, in our client base uh this is a, a an interesting and, and unique tool uh that people are using to have this sort of global agility
1: uh well russ and reed i cannot believe we've already gone past 30 minutes on this conversation so i hate to say it but we're out of time before i let you go how can people get in touch with you? Where can they learn more about Method Sense and tap into that expertise in both the U.S. and European markets? Yeah,
0: well, thank you very much. Uh, we, we look forward to hearing from your audience. We can be reached in our Research Triangle Park headquarters at uh, 919-313-3962. And, of course, we invite everyone to visit and learn more about us from our website at www.methodsense. Dot .com. com.
1: Rita King, CEO and Senior Consultant, Russ King, the president of Method Sense, Inc. Guys, it was great to have you back. Thanks for coming back and joining us.
0: Thank, Thank you for having me. Thank us.
1: you. All right. Charles, you know what I love about this show is that we can have a conversation about medical device approvals in multiple markets and it can be a scintillating conversation.
2: Absolutely. It is fascinating what's going on in this world and and I look forward to hearing more about, you know, Method Sense and other companies we bring on that that have that global view.
1: Amen to that. All right, well that wraps this show on behalf of today's guest, Rita King and Russ King. My co-host, Charles Davis. I'm Todd Schnick. We'll see you next time on Savad Radio.